Uh, We are going to look together at the Christmas story, taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Uh, Page 1026, thank you, page 1026. Here we go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Amen. Well, it's the time of the year, isn't it, where uh, retailers battle for our affections, uh, vie for our wallets. It's the annual battle of the Christmas television adverts. Uh, I don't know if you've got a particular favor this year. We've got the, the John Lewis advert, which is quite literally out of this world, where you've got this little boy who introduces uh, this alien to various different Christmas traditions. You've got the Boots one with the bottomless uh, bag in it, where you can just pull out whatever present you want, probably all available at Boots. You've got the M&S, uh, M&S advert, haven't you? You've got uh, Dawn French as the fairy that comes down off the tree drops a wand and for the first time ever Percy Pig is alive and then tours around m and I don't know what your favourite one is. My favourite happens to be uh, the Audi offering this year, uh, partly because there's puns galore in it. I do love a good pun uh, and uh, the main character is uh, E. Banana Scrooge um, and there's even a brief cameo uh, appearance by Marcus Radishford who, who is always helping the little children. I like that little um, uh, offering there. It even ends with a little lesson that says uh, in, in, the, in the poem, it says that for you to be happy, you need to be kind. I thought, oh, what a, what a lovely advert. Of course, we all will have our different perspectives and opinions on each of these adverts. Uh, and in a similar way, it appears that Downing Street this week has been having uh, different perspectives uh, on the same event. Uh, for, 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 there seemed to be a little bit of confusion. It was either a Christmas party last year that didn't happen, or it did happen and it didn't break 
any rules. So there's different perspectives on the same event. And this is actually what we find in our passage today. Different perspectives on the same event. We've got the human perspective, and we've also got God's perspective. And uh, our passage opens with these words. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, we're all quite familiar with this story, and so it can sometimes easy uh, to overlook the details. But what's this, what, what do these first couple of verses tell us? Well, uh, they, uh, they inform us that in the, the culture of when this, um, uh, this account first takes place, uh, you've got a woman who effectively belongs to someone. Uh, young women at that time, uh, as in rural Middle East today, uh, were seen to belong to people and her sexual purity was enormously valued. And so at the age of somewhere between 12 and 14, a marriage would have been arranged and uh, someone suitable would have been uh, uh, lined up. And then what follows is a legally binding engagement. The pledge to be married bit. That's what pledge to be married means. So this is uh, uh, this is uh, the first stage of the betrothal. And then after this, um, during the next year, the, the woman would be uh, under the supervision of a parent's house. She's not yet married. She's engaged. She's pledged to be married, uh, but she's under the parent's supervision. Then after about a year, she is uh, uh, taken into the husband's home and the formal marriage takes place. Now, these traditions are important for us to understand what is happening to Mary because she is actually in this in-between stage, this in-between year. Um, So uh, she's still with her parents, but she's legally uh, bound to Joseph. And so what happens next is really remarkable because we need to consider the time at which this account is taking place. It's been 400 years since uh, uh, God has spoken at all to the people of Israel. 400 years since the last Old Testament book has been written. Silence has fallen upon the nation. So consider the time. Consider the place. You've got Nazareth, uh, which is a town in Galilee. Now, Nazareth was about as far as you could get from the temple, and there'd be a long-standing suspicion of people from Nazareth. Uh, They were seen as people um, that uh, that their Jewish faith and heritage had been somewhat polluted by uh, the Gentiles. So in Isaiah chapter 9, for instance, um, uh, Galilee is disparagingly called Galilee of the Gentiles. So it's not a promising time, nor is it a promising place. And then consider the person. You've got Mary, this young person. We don't know how old she is, but typically between 12 and 14, that's the typical age where people would be pledged to be married. And she had a status of a woman, which at that time uh, wasn't uh, that highly uh, valued, um, uh, very sadly. And then you've got the fact that nothing is mentioned of Mary's parents at all. You've got mention of Joseph's line, but you haven't got any mention of Mary's line. Um, And uh, in effect, 
she is of very little significance. We don't know anything uh, about her, and this is later reinforced uh, when we find that Mary and Joseph goes to the temple, as was the Jewish tradition um, after Jesus' birth, and they make offerings and sacrifices. Is my headset still on? They make, oh, yep, that's great, that's great. They make, I've got a backup. They make offerings and sacrifices. And the offerings and sacrifices they make uh, are actually the offerings that uh, were not ideally made, but there was a dispensation given to people who were poor at this time. So here you've got a nobody girl from a nowhere town uh, in a, at a point in Jewish history which many people just thought was going nowhere. And this is the human perspective. You know, a nobody person, a nowhere town uh, in a nowhere time. And this is what the the human perspective on this situation, but look what God's perspective on this is. Verse 28, the angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly flavored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So from God's perspective, Mary was actually his person in his place at his time. But despite this greeting and assurance, uh, Mary was still viewing the unfolding drama from a very human place. We read in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was greatly troubled. In other words, she was afraid. She was uh, perplexed, confused. She was doubting. Uh, For those who like their Sunday morning alliteration, you might say that she was scared, she was stumped, and she was struggling at this time. So Mary must have been scared. We read that she was greatly troubled. You know, popular culture sort of has these beautiful, serene images of angels. But what we learn from the appearances of angels in the Bible is that angels are holy, they're powerful, they're magnificent uh, creatures, and even wise and saintly people are brought to quivering wrecks when they encounter an angel. And so not only must Mary have been absolutely awestruck and fearful in, in sight of this angel, she must have been stumped. She must have been hugely confused because the promises of Scripture concerning the Messiah, the promised ones, were so extensive and extraordinary and they're throughout the Old Testament that she must have been puzzled to even start to come to grips with what this meant for her. You can imagine the question that she, she would be having at this time. You know, what? Me? You know, what does this mean? Um, why is it happening? Uh, when's all this going to take place? She was, she was scared. She was uh, stumped. And she was struggling. Mary must have faced doubt. And uh, I imagine she must have thought that the, that the angel had just turned up at the wrong place. Maybe his sat-nav has sent him uh, the wrong direction. And why am I highlighting how Mary must have felt at that time? It's because many of us here will face or are facing similar uh, feelings of doubt, of concern, of fear, of confusion at this time. And it's worth reminding ourselves that this is only the human perspective, only one perspective on the situations that we are facing. 
Now, of course, this doesn't make the things that we are facing, the things that trouble us any less painful or the feelings any less real. We are human. But I want to encourage you today that these are only one side of the coin. So when we are scared, when we are uh, confused, when we are uh, doubting, God remains committed to his unfolding good plans for your life. Sometimes we sing in in worship songs, I will hold on. And we want to say, actually, no, it's not me holding on to God. God is holding on to us through the difficult seasons of our lives. So whilst Mary was, was stumped, she was scared, she was struggling, from God's perspective, his salvation was being worked out. And God was bringing a saviour, his son, and our sovereign. So let's look at God's perspective on this situation. Verses 30 to 33. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor of God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so in verse 31, we read, You are to give him the name Jesus. Now the name uh, Jesus, as some of us uh, will know, is basically the English version of the original Hebrew name, which would have been Joshua. And Joshua means this, the Lord is salvation. That's what the name Jesus means, the Lord is salvation. So Mary was scared, and yet God says, I'm bringing you and the world a saviour. Now, Mary wasn't just scared, she was stumped, she was confused, but God was bringing his begotten, his one and only son. In verse 33, we read, He will reign over the house of David forever. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary was struggling, and God was establishing his sovereign the king of kings that would reign forever in a kingdom that would never, ever end. Now, uh, Catherine and I spent uh, a few years uh, in Cambridge, and when we was there, I attended a a college called Ridley Hall. And the first principal of Ridley Hall uh, was a guy called uh, Hanley Mole. And so in uh, Ridley, you've got a, a, a room dedicated to him called the Mole Hole, um, which is very, very uh, uh, Cambridge. But, but he, uh, when, when, when speaking of times, when, it, when he was afraid, perplexed, and doubting, Hanley Mole said the following. He said this, you know, we need to remind ourselves that there is no situation so chaotic that God cannot from that situation create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at creation. He did it at the cross. And he is doing it today. So we've got our perspective, but we've also got God's perspective. And so when faced with these two sides of the coin, what should our uh, response be? When we are living in amidst our perspective, we acknowledge God's perspective on the situation. What should our response be? 
Well, Mary's response is found in the final five verses, and it's both uh, extraordinary and worthy of praise. And it culminates in this final verse, verse 38, with these famous words. It says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You know, Mary's example demonstrates that even when we're faced with fear, with confusion, with doubts, when these feelings swirl about us, obedience and trust and perseverance is the best policy. It worked for Mary. It works for us today. As the title of the Eugene Peterson book uh, calls it, we are called to a long obedience in the same Direction. We're called to perseverance. Talking about perseverance, um, this week uh, we, uh, as parents, were faced with a bit of a parenting dilemma. Uh, Samuel, our seven-year-old, uh, was invited to a kid's birthday party, which obviously isn't a dilemma, except uh, the fact that it was going to be watching a movie. And our kids don't really like watching movies that much, particularly if they don't know what's going to happen with the film. So uh, first thing we thought, we'll see if it's on Netflix. It was on Netflix, so we oh, what are we going to do? And we were like, oh, we don't know whether someone should go. We don't know if he'll like it, whether he'll be a bit nervous. Um, but when, when uh, Catherine was out on uh, Monday uh, doing some Christmas shopping, uh, she noticed that uh, the, the book, because the movie was Harry Potter, The Philosopher's Stone, we know that was going to be the movie, there was a book of this, uh, the, basically she picked up the book and thought, what we'll do, we'll take it home, we'll uh, get him to read the first couple of pages, see if he likes it, and then he can make his decision about whether he wants to go or not from that. And so uh, we took it home, we gave it to him on Monday night when he got home from school um, and, uh, and he's, he, was, he suddenly got it set in his mind that he didn't just want to read the first couple of pages, he wanted to read the whole 332 pages uh, by the time the party happened after school on Friday uh, which we thought, okay, that's not going to happen. But he, said, he calculated his I need to read 92 pages on day one and 80 pages every day after that and then basically we didn't see him this week because he just disappeared he just disappeared and occasionally we would get updates about what was happening and uh, you know what page he was on particularly if it was like I'm on page 100 or on page 200 um, but Samuel persevered his way through the book sometimes when we get a good book you know it's easy to get into it you know day one but day two day three day four he persevered and as a result he was able to go to the party he he knew he was going to enjoy it he knew what was going to happen uh, in the film, and now uh, I have to admit that he is a bigger reader than I am. So there you go. Um, but in all seriousness, how might we persevere and stay obedient uh, when we are faced with challenging times, when uh, fear and uh, confusion and doubt swirl about? Well, I just want to draw three quick observations from our passage today. Number one, Mary had her part to play, and so do you. God has a part for you to play. God has a plan and purpose for your life. If you are here, it's because God has a plan and purpose for your life, even if, if at times we're struggling to know what that purpose is. You know, uh, number two, what's our second observation? Mary was known personally by God, and so are you. Notice uh, how uh, Mary is greeted by the angel. Do not be afraid, Mary. 
God knows her name. God knows your name. Uh, God has engraved your name upon his hand. He knows you. He sees you. Uh, he, he hasn't forgotten you, no matter what you may be facing. And our third observation is that God is with you. God is with you. Indeed, these are the opening words to Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And we need to hear these words today. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with you. Even when uh, we may be facing times when it feels as if it doesn't feel that way. He feels as if he isn't with us because feelings are no substitute for the fact. And the fact is the Lord is with you no matter what you may be facing. And in those difficult times, he's carrying you. In, the, in, the, in those lonely times, he is beside you. In the desperate times, he is with you. Verse 28, the Lord is with you. After all, this is the very fact we celebrate, we look forward to celebrating at Christmas time. The birth of Jesus, that God came to be with us. As uh, Matthew would write in his gospel, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They gave him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so whilst we might not always see things from God's perspective, whilst we may be living in the midst of times of fear and turmoil and doubt, let me encourage you to trust, to persevere, and to know God is at work in your life. So shall we uh, stand, and uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to move into a time of worship together. So let's stand to pray. And uh, before our meeting began uh, this morning, we had a, we had a prayer meeting. And uh, not knowing about what I was going to spe- be speaking on, this theme of you know, fear and confusion and doubt, um, people had been praying in the morning. They felt that these uh, words uh, uh, were, were appropriate for people here. I just need to find them now. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so, Lord, we pray uh, that these words that have been shared this morning and these words from Scripture that those that are with us are greater than those who are against us, may minister to us. And so we invite your Holy Spirit now to come and fill our hearts with faith where there is fear, to fill our hearts with trust where there is doubt, to fill our hearts with clarity of your good purposes where there is confusion. So Jesus, we thank you that you love us. And we ask for you to move amongst us here today. In Jesus' name, amen.